There is a tide in the affairs of men that, taken at the flood, leads on to fortune. But tides have a habit of ebbing, and Grimes's personal tide had ebbed. He wasn't quite on the rocks, but he was most definitely stranded and would remain so until he could raise the wherewithal to pay his steadily mounting port dues and various fines and legal expenses. Meanwhile, his beloved little sister was under arrest with a writ firmly glued to her outer airlock door, and her owner-master had been obliged to seek paid employment. He was long used to three square meals a day with sips and nibbles in between, and there is usually a charge for such sustenance. He could have solved all his financial problems by selling the ship, only a deep space-going pinnace, but valuable nonetheless. Even as scrap she would have fetched a not-so-small fortune. But he was stubborn. He could have shipped out as third mate of the Interstellar Transport Commission's Epsilon Draconis. One of her officers had been involved in a serious ground car accident when returning to the spaceport after a rather wild party, but did not elect to do so. Firstly, he had been too long in command to relish the idea of signing on as a junior officer. Secondly, as long as he was the owner of Little Sister, he wanted to stay where he could keep an eye on her. A spaceship entirely constructed of an isotope of gold is too precious an artifact to be left in the full charge of strangers. The trouble had started when far-traveler couriers—the plural was unjustified, but it sounded better— wholly owned and operated by one John Grimes, fairly recently a full commander in the Interstellar Federation Survey Service, more recently master of the Baroness Destang's space yacht The Far Traveler, had contracted to carry a pair of larrigans from Pankst, their native world, to the interplanetary zoo in New Sirtis, capital city of Bronsonia, all charges to be paid on safe delivery of the beasts. Grimes liked most animals, and although he was not especially fond of small, quarrelsome dogs, was prepared to be friendly with the larger canines. The Larrigans were handsome enough brutes, not unlike a Terran Pekingese dog in appearance, but with zebra-patterned fur, and of considerably greater dimensions, being about the size of full-grown Alsatians. Grimes, inspecting them before shipment, had been favorably impressed, especially when the animals grinned happily at him. Human beings are all too liable to misread the facial expressions of members of other species. He did not anticipate any trouble during the voyage. A supply of canned food was shipped with the animals, and according to the literature that he had been given, they were omnivorous and would appreciate the variation of their diet by occasional scraps from the captain's table. The instructions were very definite on one point. On no account were the beasts to be let out of their cages. During this short stay on Pankst, Grimes could not spare the time to visit the library to read up on the habits of his living freight. The consigner had not told him much, saying, Just keep to the book, Captain, and you'll not go wrong. And when it came to books, Grimes thought, he had access to the entire Encyclopedia Galactica through Little Sister's memory bank. There would be time enough to learn what he needed to know once he was off-planet and non-trajectory for Bronsonia. As a matter of fact, there was a Larrigan entry, a very brief one, sandwiched between a long article on Lerner, Peter Frederick, who, for most of his long life, had been an obscure politician on New Maine, and another long article on Lervinsky, Ivan Vladimir, 
at one time secretary of the Reformed Communist Party of New Georgia. Larrigans, Grimes discovered, as though he didn't know already, were pseudo-canines native to Pankst. Pseudo or not, he thought, they were just dogs, big dogs, and friendly. They watched him as he went about his business in the cabin of the pinnace. They whined, a most melodious whine, ingratiatingly. They were effusively grateful when he pushed their dishes of food at the prescribed intervals through the spring traps in the heavy metal mesh of their cages. They cooperated intelligently when he pulled out the trays at the base of their prisons to dispose of the soiled bedding and to replace it with fresh. They answered to the names he had given them, boy for the male and girl for the female. To hell with the instructions, he thought. They should be given the opportunity to get some exercise. What harm could it do? They couldn't possibly run away. Little sister herself was cage enough. 